This is Becoming Inclusive from the Kaleidoscope Group, where we're thinking differently about diversity, equity, and inclusion for more empowered people at work. We're committed to real change, and that begins with real conversations. Welcome in. Hi, I'm Reggie Ponder, and I am back with Becoming Inclusive. And we have, again, Brian Johnson and Katherine Potts. It is really a continuation of our discussion Racism is easy to fix. I have a problem. And my problem is that I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it for one second. I don't believe it for one minute. But Brian is going to help us navigate through how easy it is to fix this thing. Okay, Brian, go. just go for it, man. Go for it. Well, I'd like to know that I'm more optimistic about it than Reggie. So sure <laughs> <that>. <laughs> right, right. Reggie, we need to work on you a little bit. But I, I know. Well, that's why we have you on, because I do need some help here. That it's easy to fix? Oh, yep. man, I want to hear this. <laughs> okay, so here we go. The the So... Uh, a lot of different ways we can go with this. So number one, I like to, I like to look at things in simple terms, right? So number one, uh, eliminating anything 100% is not possible. Okay. But can we get, can we knock this down to 80%? I think we can. Because, I mean, look what we did with AIDS, right? AIDS used to be a death sentence. And through money, through time, through effort, a want, a will to, to get rid of this uh, uh, death sentence for folks that contract HIV, um, boom. And we've done that, right? It's now a long-term uh, a, a problem. So number one, we have to have the will to do it, okay? And that means me, and that means us. That means white folks, right? Black folks, the will is there. Latino folks, the will is there. Women, the will is there, right? But we're talking about racism specifically, white against black. It has to be the will of the oppressor, right? It has to be the will of me, my folks, white folks. We have the privilege. We have the power to change things. Uh, being, you know, in most of America, look at all the the presidents, right? Outside of Barack Obama, everybody else has been what? White males, right? Look at Congress, look at the power positions. They make laws. So that's the power positions. That means we're better. It just means that's where we're at. If the will of the world is to make this change, change this to, uh, we go through and change the the laws where people go to jail, right? Um, We change that. We go through, that's a piece of it. So if we can change a lot of these different pieces, and make them, there's a political will to change things and make it more inclusive, it's an easy fix, right? We look at our technology today. Technology changes every year, if that long, right? And what does it do? It gets better and better and better. And we love technology. We love the new iPhone. Look how many people line up to go get the new iPhone, right? So why can't we do that with how we function as this, as this democratic machine that is the United States? Our, our democracy is very different from everywhere else. So uh, I'm a poli sci major, so I like to go off into politics from time to time. But it's easy to fix if the will is there. And again, it has to be the will from white folks. We have been the ones that have gotten in the way, right? When anytime you talk about race, when you see a conversation on TV, it's always people of color, right? What does it feel like to be oppressed? What is your opinion on this? Which is perfectly valid. But we need to have the the, the white folks in that conversation as well. And we need to be a part of, we, it, it's our problem, right? We're the ones that have benefited from it, right? We're the ones that it wasn't when it took us forever, as we talked about in the previous segment, uh, Reggie, we talked about in uh, uh, people in wheelchairs, right? It took forever. I mean, when I grew up, Reggie, when you grew up, I don't know about you, Kat, because you're a youngster. <laughs> but when I grew up, all the curves were the exact same. There was no ramps for, for wheelchairs to get on there. It took forever. And it wasn't because people in wheelchairs or people with physical challenges. It wasn't because they didn't say anything. 
It wasn't because they were mute. It wasn't because they liked not being able to get up on the sidewalk. It wasn't because they chose to have a more difficult way to get around or to get into your house, Reggie, like you talked about 55 steps. It wasn't because they chose that. It's because the will of the people, the will of people in charge, white males who were in charge, they said, oh, okay, now we find that it's time to fix this, and now we'll fix it. So if we can get get people to fix it, that's how it gets done. But Brian, I've I've heard white people say of, of my youngster age <laughs> that, <laughs> that it's not my fault what my ancestors did. That's their uh, response. It's not my fault what they did in the back. Why am I responsible for them? And and that's where they get you know slightly offended. Right. Well, the second piece to so a will is the first one, right? Right. So the second piece to this is humility, right? We have to have humility, humility at play, and that is not all about us, right? Uh, if we are only voting for, and again, it gets into politics, because politics can be hugely important and affect everything, but at the same time, politics can not be important at all and not affect anything. My relationship with Cap, my relationship with Reggie, is not really affected by politics, the, so it doesn't come into play here. However, uh, again, humility is key here, right? Because it can't be just about me. It can't just be about what I want, because I guarantee you the same person, Cap, that says, well... My, my ancestors didn't do it. It's not my problem. Well, I guarantee you the first time that white person uh, gets discriminated against because of her gender or his gender or because of his race, because, hey, remember, the number is going to switch here. Well, white folks are going to be in the minority here in the next decade or two. So it's going to switch. So when you say minority, we're going to be talking about white folks pretty soon. So when everybody's cool. Everybody's abstains from getting involved until it involves them. Until it involves your kid not getting the job, until it involves your your daughter, the one that's being treated differently as a patient in the hospital, uh, in the healthcare system, than it does than a white kid, right, or, or than a, another kid. Um, so again, in healthcare, my wife's a physician, right? My pa- my father was a physician, my mother was a nurse. Healthcare historically has been abhorrent the way that it has treated people of color and black people specifically across the board. And there's plenty of data out there if you want to look at that. So so it does affect you. And and the key is, Kat, to your point, yes, the well, it it was was put up by people other than me. Okay, that's fine. But it affects people that you love. If that person loves you, Kat, they should care that it affects you and your mother and your son and your cousin. And that should that should hurt her inside or him inside, that it hurts somebody else, that something I'm benefiting from hurts somebody else. That's the problem. And that's where we really need to look at each other I- internally and have some humility, white folks, that, hey, we may have benefited from this, but we want to make this more fair for the future for everyone. Ready, and, and, and so I like I like a couple of things you said here. Uh, first, I want to hear the stuff you don't like. I like <laughs> no, 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 you don't no, like the reason I'm going to say I like a couple of things you said here <laughs> is because you stopped me from pushing back. And I'm really glad that you did that because you gave me the framework by which you were looking at this from. Okay. You're saying it's easy to fix if yep. we have the will. And right. so 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 let, let, let me not get to the will part yet. Okay. Let me get to, okay, if we have the will, you, you're, I, I think you're right. I, I like your premise. I, I like your premise that if, and, and I think it's important for me to say this because you're like, oh, you want to hear the negative? No, no, I was going to come negative. You, you did, yeah. Brian, you did a good job, man. <laughs> I, I, I like this. Uh, is that so if there's the will for it, it's it is easy to fix because mm-hmm. I, I really like all the 
the examples that you gave here. Mm-hmm. The one about the wheelchairs, for years, you you had you saw people having to push their chair, the front of their chair up just to try to get over. It. And it was ne- never easy. Some of these, some of these curves were so so big that they needed somebody actually to help them get right. over the curve. Sure. So over time it 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 happened because somebody had the wheel. Sorry. And and the wheel had to have to have to have happened beyond the people who were complaining or needed it. Right. I, I I think that that's such a good example. Here now here's my pushback. And my pushback is that I think that when when you, you talked about two things. You talked about having a wheel and having this whole thing about um humility. Humility. And I wish I think maybe that has to come first, even before the will is that to have humility, to be able to look at other people and say, look, those people need help. Look, when we talked about privilege before uh, that I have privilege and, and they don't. I think that type of humility is so important because I think that it actually is a factor in terms of having the will mm-hmm. is that that I have the humility. When I look at this whole issue, humility about, and empathy, I got to throw empathy in there. Uh, go ahead, Kat. No, that's all. I'm just going to say, I think it's... What, what would empathy add that humility doesn't, Kat? I think... Um, so I do appreciate humility as, as itself, but I think when it comes to empathy, actually taking a moment to try to understand truly at its core what that experience of the person is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for you, Brian, in our previous episode, you had talked about you were in the house. You could see. Mm-hmm. You were around them. You really mm-hmm. saw, you know, so that level of empathy may have been a little bit uh, natural for you. Mm-hmm. But I think it does take uh, both to really put yourselves, what what would it feel like if that happened to me? How would I feel? And you've spoken about that on this episode, but that's why I just think that combination would really be kind of like that killer combo. Becoming Inclusive is presented by the Kaleidoscope Group, your full service diversity, equity, and inclusion partner serving clients worldwide. We can help you develop organizational change that actively engages everybody in your organization turning resistance into energy and motivation for change. Let's talk about where you'd like to go and how to get there. Start with a visit to kgdiversity.com. So let me jump in, if you don't mind, uh, let me jump in here because I think that's a great point. And and I respect that. And also, Reggie, your point, you're right. Uh, They weren't necessarily consecutive. Uh, I think you're right. Humility, empathy do have to come first. And that that can generate the will. But I want to speak to your point, Kat, as far as... um, uh, being able, so what you're talking about, Kat, and empathy, right? What does that mean? It means being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And in order to put yourself in someone else's shoes, what do you have to do with your own shoes? You have to take them off. You can't wear two pairs of shoes. You have to take yours off. So you really have to absorb someone else's reality. You have to put yourself there and absorb what it would actually be like. And I think that's where the, 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 the threshold comes to me uh, for us white folks. Uh, with us white folks, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, as we're raised, we come up, we're expected to be Republican and we're expected to be Christian because they tie in to each other. And we're expected to, to go with the flow because we've benefited uh, from this system that has been put in place. So it's not necessarily ever said, but it's implied. Right. And so the key here for me is that when we when it comes so one of the things I taught our kids. Right. I, I'm married to a black woman. So um, uh, we have biracial kids. Right. So. Uh, so this becomes even more of an issue for me, uh, even though it started for me when I was like nine or 10. 
um, uh, race and racism in America. So I, again, I see it and feel it and, and, and observe it every day because I, I treat myself as it and I look at the world as if I am black because there are people that I love, not just my kid and, and not, my, my, not just my two kids, my wife, but all the black people that I've known in my life. I love them. And I want to protect them. I want to not see them suffer. So I want to vote for a system that is improved and different and better. But for again, for uh, just to give you a window into us as white folks, uh, what I've taught my my kids um, is that hey, as they're growing up, we've been talking about race with our kids since they were in the womb practically. It was like, hey, be careful, uh, my 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 son and my daughter. Be careful with white folks when you become friends with them. Because when it comes to race, we as white folks, we're only, a, we're only willing to go to the river's edge. We're not willing to cross that river for black folks and go to the other side with them. Very few. I don't want to say no across the board, but very, very few. And that's where the threshold becomes, because then it becomes now you got to fight your, your family. Now you got to fight grandpa over here. I was dating a, a black woman uh, in high school and my mother didn't want me to send a picture to my grandfather in Iowa. Because what would grandpa say? You know, what would uncle so-and-so say? So there is an expectation that we don't we don't get involved in this racial piece, that we we're cool. We love black people up until a certain point and then we don't cross that certain point. So for me, yes, it's will or yes, it's uh, uh, empathy. Yes, it's uh, uh, humility. Yes, it's a will. But it's also we have to break through that barrier. Right. And this happened with both my kids at different points for them. My son and my daughter, different points for them. There was a there was a delineation where they thought they were really good friends with somebody, but for some reason that person pulled away and it all had to do with race and, and no need to go into details, but those things happen. And it's not because I made them up. It's not some, not some great theory I have. This is from what I've seen. And I know from my people and I know it's there, that it's there. It happened to me in regards to race, right? Uh, I was always looked at as a kid and as a adult. I was looked at as a traitor, right? A traitor is being treated differently than the enemy. A traitor is worse than the enemy in the eyes of someone who's like that. So I was always treated as if I was a traitor of my own race. And I've been treated that way since I was 10. So it's and really, I'm just gonna hop in really, really nothing new. Go ahead. Just I'm really quick, anyway. I'm going to let you go from my experience um, mm -hmm. being a black woman and, and being around predominantly white people. Mm -hmm. I got the opposite of of being looked at as a traitor for mm. you know my African American peers and so I just want to throw that that that, yeah. that is real and I've experienced the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it and and you know uh, anyway, I, I respect that. But Reggie, were you going to say something? Uh, yeah, I, it, it, you you bring up so much stuff and and we can't even talk about it all. Uh, so you you you're messing me up, Brian. You're messing me <laughs> up. Man. I I want I, I want to go and talk about this uh the discussion you had with your kids about white people but yeah. that's not that's not this that's not this discussion but that's okay. where i want to go okay um but so segment but three. Wanna, we have to make segment three but go ahead right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so i'll just bring it back to this whole thing about racism is easy to fix mm -hmm. and what i'm getting and because i want to make sure that it's clear to as to what you're saying here what i'm understanding or what i'm hearing you say is racism is easy to fix because white and, and white people are the ones to fix it. Yes. You're not saying, I don't think you're saying that black people can't be part of that coalition, Correct. that 
Latinx people can't be part of that, that LGBTQ, that women. You, I don't think you're saying that they can't be part of that, but I think what you're saying is that the leaders, the people that need to be the flag bearers to kill, to eradicate, to move racism uh, to, to that 80% that you were talking about are white people. Is that yes. what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. And that's a great way to put it. I would add on to that description that you just made is that we need to lead it. And we need to be partners with other people, right? Be partners with it, but not just partners. We need to lead it. Again, this is our issue. This is our problem. It's something we benefited from, right? It wasn't, we didn't wait for a, 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 a president that was in a wheelchair in order to get the curb sloped on the sidewalk, right? That doesn't need to happen. We need to lead this, right? We're in the, and, and maybe 50 years from now, black folks will be leading this country. They'll be the majority. And we have a bunch of black folks in the, the presidency and in the, the, the levers of power. You know, the conversation would be different then. So the, the conversation is not that whether black people are good or bad. It's not. I've had, I've had idiots that are black in my life. I've had idiots that were Latino and Latina in my life. Gay folks that are idiots in my life. And I've had plenty of white folks in my life that have been idiots, right? But when it comes to race, there's not a whole lot of people I can turn to that have been white. There's been some that have been fantastic. But my white friends and people that have affected me in my life that have been white, when it comes to race, we don't do really well there. And why? Why don't we do really well when it comes to race? It's because we're unwilling to be honest with ourselves. We're unwilling to look at it. When it comes to race, historically, the United States, for white people, men and women, we've chosen to look the other way. We've chosen to look the other way. Someone got killed by a police officer. No, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not excess police force. It's we look the other way. Now it becomes political. Well, it's, you know, no, we can't possibly admit that kneeling on the football field by a person uh, uh, calmly and respectfully, we can't possibly take it that on this face value. Nope, we have to turn it into something else. So we have been very good systemically and as a people to turn things around because we have the power to turn things around to make it what we want it to do. Because so, we run the media companies, we run everything else. We've had that power historically. So I would say, not only, Reggie, to your point, that we are in partnership with Latino folks, with women, with uh, Black folks, with uh, Asian folks, with uh, every other different folks that there are, but we have to lead it. It has to be our issue to solve. That's a great, that's a great place to, for us to, to get into this last piece. Yeah. And that's the last piece that we're talking to businesses all the time. Yeah. We're in there trying to change culture. We're, we're trying to change policies and practices and procedures. And what we found sometimes the policies, practices, and procedures don't, they don't touch the heart. They don't get to that, to those issues that you talk about humility and, and empathy. They don't, they don't, they don't get there. So I'm a CEO, Brian, yeah. you do work with CEOs all the time. I'm a CEO. I'm a white male. I'm running a company. I, I and you're talking about it's it's the systemic. Right. What are some things that that you would suggest? And as you're out there talking to CEOs, that you would suggest that they do to start to chip away at this problem. I I, I hate to say chip away because I I, I don't want to wait, man. I want it to be yeah. done, right? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, right. But right. but the reality is that. It took. It, it's been a, a, around for a long time. It's going to probably take uh, some time for it to to uh, to be eradicated. So, what would you say? Yeah, to and, that and to your point, Reggie, it's not going to take a while to eradicate. Not because of the the. It's it, not because it's hard. It has zero to do with this being a hard concept to swallow, right? Because we all want things to be fair for ourselves. 
The question is, does the power levers want it to be fair? Anyway, to your question. So, yes, I work with CEOs, CFOs all the time. Right. And, and I love the, the financial piece. Right. Financial folks, they love they want to have things. They want to have a list of things that need to get done in order for the things to change. Right. And, I, and, and so that's it, understandable. That's their language. That's how they have succeeded in their life. And that's great. The number one thing I find with the uh, the C-suite, right, um, is that a lot of times folks don't see what their role is, right? So you, Reggie, as a white uh, uh, executive, Kat, as a white executive, for our example here, what you all are not seeing is that you feel like this is for white folks. Diversity, equity, inclusion policies and practices and new stuff, that's kind of for the staff and that's kind of for uh, people of color. It's for gay folks. It's so we don't, you know, you all don't see what your role is in this, right? That it doesn't benefit you. And in reality, it's exactly the opposite. It completely benefits you because as a leader of an organization, you cascade the information, the expectations around to everybody else. Your cascading of this information and expectations for everyone else is hugely important. So that's number one. Number two, it benefits you because uh, it's going to improve your culture. Right. Because if people feel value for who they are, they're going to love to stay there. They're going to want to stay there. They're going to trumpet this organization. They're going to be like, we, this is a fantastic place to work. Come to work here. So therefore, you're going to be able to keep your talent that you spend so much time doing. Right. No one wants to run an inefficient organization. So if you take all this time and effort to onboard people, to, to get the wow. greatest talent, to pay people. Now people are getting paid more uh, the to bring them impact. on and keep them. Right. To make it if these impactful people you bring on, it's so inefficient to then six months or a year later to have them leave your organization. You're like, oh, and, and you kind of rationalize. Well, they didn't really fit here. They didn't really get along. here. No, 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 no. You need to build a space where your talent wants to stay and they feel valued. They feel welcome. So, again, you all as CEOs, CFOs, anywhere in the C-suite, you have a role to play. This affects you directly. It's easy for you to do. Just treat everybody. Just act as if everyone in your in, in, in your organization is part of your family. Wow. If you look at that, if you look at your organization as part of as your family, as your sons and daughters or, or brothers and sisters, you're going to do everything you can to make sure uh, the oldest brother is treated just uh, with equity compared to the youngest brother. Right. Personality wise, Reggie, I'm going to treat you different from Kat because Kat, you're a little different than, than Reggie and personality wise. Kat, you and I like to connect on sports. Reggie, you and I like to connect on politics and history. And so it's a different conversation. Kat, you're from, say, uh, East Coast. Reggie, you're from the West Coast. It's a different dynamic to our conversation. I may be from the South. So the dynamics of our conversation are a little bit different. So treating you exactly the same, Reggie, as I, as I treat Kat exactly the same, that's not that's not what we're talking about. What we're yeah. talking about is, hey, uh, treat meet people where they are, give them what they need, uh, and, and be able to customize uh, uh, your organization to fit and be able to allow for everybody. And Brian, it really goes back to one of your main points in this episode and, and the previous around will, will and, will and desire, mm-hmm. taking action versus taking a backseat. Yeah. And there's a lot, you know, and obviously we make the business point all the time is that DNI is great for business, right? Getting rid of racism is great for business. And it's, it's to your point, Kat, is that, yeah, now it really becomes, okay, what kind of leader are you? Uh, you know, we say, hey, in our mission statement, we're willing to do whatever it takes to be the best. Uh, you know, and how we do things and how we portray ourselves as leaders and organizations. We're willing to do whatever it takes. Okay, well, hold on a second. It doesn't take anything but will, but humility, but empathy in order to make it inclusive for everybody. Are you willing to do that? Because in order to do that, you have to admit that it's not perfect to begin with. 
that yeah. takes that's something that's hard for people to get their arms around. Wow. But, but it's very but it's very important. Wow, I, I I'll say this. We, we we weren't perfect. We weren't perfect here either. But uh man, Brian, you you got us into so much stuff that um Kat, I, you know, on some of the shows, they do this thing called after the show. Maybe you <laughs> and, and Brian after the show just need to good. stay on, talk a little bit more and forget the, the audience. You know, yeah, no, and, and, and after hours episode. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, That's right. Sure. Now, I, I, I absolutely wouldn't do that. Brian, I really want to thank you for, for coming on and talk, talking with us um, about this. This is a ongoing discussion. Mm-hmm. And again, you you brought us so many little nuggets that I'd love to delve into and 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 uh, talk about a little bit more. So we'll do that. But I, I do want to recap. Let me, let, me, let me say this real quick before you recap. I want to, if there's one thing I want to make sure it gets across is that people understand that, 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 that working within this space and DEI space and making things more inclusive and talking about race. Look here. It's a fascinating conversation. I'm white. You are black. It's a fascinating conversation. It's fun. We learn about each other. We adjust. We change. It's not a, it's not a heavy subject. It doesn't have to be. Because we're, we're not rehashing everything that's gone on in the past. We're looking at from this day forward, boom, let's have this conversation. Boom, let's go through that. We're not going to, we, we can't, we're not going to put everybody on trial and find out what you've done or what you haven't done. You've been a nice person or not a nice person. Boom, from this day forward, let's make this world a better place. But go ahead, Reggie. You're, you're, you're I, I, you up. just did it. Yeah. You just did it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Becoming Inclusive. My co-host, Catherine Potts. And then we had our guest this week uh, and last week and maybe next week too <laughs> is uh, Brian Johnson from the Kaleidoscope Group. We'd like to welcome you in to another episode. So check this one out and stay tuned for the next one. I'm Reginald Ponder and I'll see you guys later. Thanks for joining us and a special thanks to our subscribers. Consider becoming one today. Becoming Inclusive is presented by the Kaleidoscope Group your full-service diversity, equity, and inclusion partner serving clients worldwide. Learn more and continue the conversation at kgdiversity.com.